Okay, today's daf is daf Lamed Ches, page 38, and the Haley Gimesech is getting that good nerve Shabbos. And we have a lot of ground to cover, a lot, a lot, a lot of ground to cover. We are on daf Lamed Zion Amr Beis, 37b, and we're up to Amr of Yehuda, Amr of Nachman, which is a little less than halfway down on Amr Beis. If you look at um, Taisvis, Dibur Hamaschil, Opening words of Dilma. See Dilma, big words of Taisus, and you move into the Gemara. You will see Amar of Yehuda, Amar Rav. The last two words are Amar Rav on the line. All right, we got a lot of ground to cover, and we're continuing going through Prusbul. And yesterday we ended off with a very interesting story concerning. Um, the repayment of a loan that Shemitah knocked off, that even if somebody does not have a prusbal and they cannot collect the loan, it is still proper and appropriate for the lender to pay back. For, I'm sorry, for the borrower to repay the lender. The lender just cannot request the repayment from the borrower. Let's get going. Let's keep going on review to murder Rav Nachman. Um, Rav Yudah Nachman says in the name of Rav Nachman, a lender can go to the borrower and say, repay my loan, I have a prusbal. And if the borrower says, show me your prusbal, the lender could say, I don't have it anymore, I lost it, but you have to trust me that I have a prusbal. My time, why? Once Rabban established a prusbal, the assumption is, since you have a completely legal, appropriate, non-issue way to retrieve your uh, uh, payment, to get your payment back. So we're going to assume a person did it in a way where it was permitted instead of doing it in a way that is forbidden. Why would somebody do something that's forbidden if it's so easy to do it in a way that's permitted? So it's an easy thing to write a prosbul. A guy goes and, and, and demands the loan. He doesn't even need to produce the prosbul. It's, he, he's trusted to say he has work. He also committed the Rav. When they came in front of Rav, Armalei, Midi Prusbul, Hoya Lechava, Avad, maybe at Rav Prusbul. And it was lost. Kigoyin Zeb, Psach Pichililim, who, in other words, Psach Pichililim, he would say to the lenders, no, I'm sure you have a Prusbul, right? If they say, yeah, he trusted them and he said, okay, so go take the loan. Go, go, go take the repayment. If they said no, then they couldn't. But there was like an assumption that everybody's going to do it. According to the way, uh, all, all the lenders are going to write prosbols according to Allah. Excuse me. If you have a lender that shows up with a star a document proving that he's owed money, they cannot take it anymore. They cannot claim payment. So you see that you have to actually have the prosbol. So Gemara says now Tanoi it's machlekes Tanoim the Tanya Hamaytzi Star Chayiv Tzarech Shehei Moi Prosbul B'Chol Moimrim Ain Tzarech Okay So ultimately it's a machlekes Tanoim whether or not you need to show the Prosbul or whether just your claiming of a Prosbul is going to be enough All right Zok the Mishnah Eved Shenish Ba'Ufedo If you have another Kenani Shenish Ba that was taken into captivity. So Reuven owns Kanani. Kanani is taken to captivity. Reuven redeems him from captivity. If they redeemed him for the sake 
of remaining in Eved, so then he's going to stay in Eved. Okay, we'll see who's going to own him. If he was redeemed in order to now be free, he no longer has the status of Eved Kenani. says, Either way, Yishtabed, he is going to remain in Eved. It's, you can't do things based upon assumption. But my Askinon says the Gemara, what's going on here? What's the case of our Mishnah? If the case of our Mishnah is dealing with an Evet Kanani, that would take it to captivity and the owner never abandoned his ownership. So why in the world when we redeem him, should he automatically be a free man? He's an, his own property. Ella, rather the case has to be La'achar Yosh. The owner already uh, gave up. He abandoned any sort of hope of getting him back. And when he... And when you have uh, Yiyush, when you have abandonment, what happens to the property? It becomes Hefker. Well, if it's Hefker, L'shom Eved am Why would this Eved Kanani, after being redeemed, ever remain in Eved? As soon as the mind of the owner is removed, the Eved is free. Let's remind ourselves. How does halachic ownership and, to an extent, civil ownership work as well? What causes that I own something? What gives me a right to take something into my domain? The fact that there's no other mind withholding it from me. If something is ownerless, if there's a land that nobody's ever been on, if there's, if there's something that nobody owns, I go pick it up, my picking it up is going to create an ownership. If you own it and I pick it up, I do not become an owner. Why? Because your mind on that object is withholding it from me. If you simply in your mind say to yourself, I, I don't want this anymore, anybody can go take it, there's nothing withholding their ability to have an ownership. And therefore, it says like this, we're dealing with a case where Nebuchadnezzar was taken to captivity and redeemed. There's times where he remains in heaven and there's times where he's going to go free after the redemption. The Gemara says, one second, why don't we just talk about Yish? If the owner abandoned him, he's free. Owner doesn't abandon him, he's not free. Amr Abayabai says, Yish. Case where I'm dealing with, the owner did not yet give up ownership over the Ebed. He did not abandon the hope of getting the servant back. And therefore, he's going to go back to the ownership of his original master. But if he's redeemed for the sake of being free, you're not going to work for the first master or the guy that redeemed you. Why? Because he redeemed him to be free. So you don't get ownership of him. And the first owner doesn't get it back either. Why not? Because the uh, it's going to be it's like a gzera it's like a decree <coughs> that if I know I, I I'm somebody who dedicates myself to to ransoming people from captivity if I know that by rede- that by ransoming this Evan Kanani he's going to go back under the ownership anyway of the original master I may not redeem him you have an Evan Kanani let's look for Nebuchadnezzar is high of a mitzvah like a woman. Okay? He's taken into captivity by the Romans, by the Midianites, earlier generations. Go back. Yeah, by Midian. I have an organization called Pidyan Shvuyim. Redeemed captives. I go around collecting money to ransom ca- uh, uh, captives, Jewish captives. And I have a choice between redeeming some captives that will be absolutely free and be mechuyiv in all mitzvahs, obligated in all mitzvahs, 
or an Evakanani who's going to go back to his master anyway. I may not redeem that Evakanani as quick. Therefore, says the Gemara, the first master, if somebody else redeems the Evakanani, the first master doesn't get it back. Otherwise, people are going to start refraining from redeeming Evakananis. If they know the guy's going to get it back anyway, I'll redeem somebody when I know he's going to be free. If he's going to be in captivity anyway, I'm going to be, going to be more hesitant to redeem. Now, if the master himself redeems the Evan Besader, he could get him back. But here we're dealing with somebody else is paying the money to have him free. Says, in, to encourage people to redeem an Evan Kanani, we don't allow the Evan Kanani to go back to the first master. Shingwil says, Bangkok, Bangkok. Either way, Yishtabid, he goes back to the first master because he says, He says, You know something? It's the same mitzvah. It's the same mitzvah, whether you redeem somebody who's Mamash or Ben Chayrin, or you redeem somebody who still has the status of an Evan Kenani. And therefore, people aren't going to, uh, people aren't going to be hesitant at all. They'll redeem anybody, even if they'll go back to the first master. There's no, meet, there's no need to make a decree. Rav Amar Rav says, Maybe the case from Mishnah could be dealing with after the first owner gave up hope of the Ebed. So he no longer has ownership. Now, why would if he no longer has ownership, why would the Ebed Kanani that's redeemed ever go back? So, we're not dealing with him going back to the first master. The Shaila now is... Is he going to become the servant of the one who ransomed him? The Rabbi Yishani. The Shum ben Chayrin. So if he's redeemed for the purpose of being free, the first guy doesn't get him back because he gave up hope. The Rabbi Yishani, the second guy doesn't get him either. The Shum ben Chayrin parke because you redeemed him for the sake of being free. The Rabbi Yishani, the Lachar Yishabi. The Shum ben Chayrin, either way, you're going to be in heaven. Because of Chizkiah's statement, why did we say either way he's, a, he's, he's going to be in Eved? We don't want a slave, get ready for this, who wants to be redeemed. And Nebuchadnezzar is going to want to be redeemed. Yeah, he has such a taiva, such a desire to be a full-fledged yid. He wants to perform all mitzvahs. He wants to be a member of Klaiso. So he says, here's the problem. If an Ebed is taken into captivity and he's automatically free upon redemption, every thinking Ebed Kanani will go, put themselves into a situation where they can easily be captured. There's going to be a mitzvah to redeem him now. And as soon as he redeemed, he's a free man. He's a full-fledged yid. And people will do that. And that's how you get out of being under the auspices of your owner. And therefore, says Chizkiah, we don't, uh, the, the, the halacha is not that once an Evid is ransomed, he's, he goes free. Because that's going to make it, if that's not fair to the masters. It's going to make it too easy for, for an Evid Kanani to, to always walk away scot-free. Okay. Mesvei. Eight lines from the bottom. Eight basically the challenging question. to redeem a free person. also to redeem And basically, says that the owner did not abandon him yet. That's what he says. Just like, just like a free, so to an eved. Now, why is he called an eved? Because the master didn't give up hope yet. 
It's Lufnei Yish. El Rabbah Domelach Yish, but according to Rabbah who says that the owner already ba- abandoned him, the owner already gave up hope of getting him back. What do you mean Kishem? What do you mean, my Kish- hi Kishem? Uh, what does it mean? The same way. Mishum Dechizkiyahu. There's a, there's a problem of Chizkiya that you're going to have the uh, Ebed purposely allow themselves to be taken into captivity. Amalach Rav, Rav is going to respond to Shem Gamliel, Vayaviyada Maikam, Rabbanu Shingil did not understand the Rabbanu Vachi Kamalu, and therefore he told the Rabbanu like this. Rabbanu said a statement, and Shem Gamliel responds, one second, Chavr, hold on everybody. If you're talking about a case, where we have not yet, the owner has not yet given up hope. Hainu kishem. So I'm going to say kishem. What does that mean? The same way you redeem a ben chayrin, there's a mitzvah. There's also a mitzvah to redeem in heaven. There's an obligation. What about if the achra yish? Now get ready. After yish. After the owner is given up hope, he's also like a free man. The Ebed's also like a free man. Okay? But then, Kiddechizkiah. I agree with Chizkiah, though, under those circumstances, that it's not about Yish. The problem's going to be, we have to make a decree that it's not so, to make it that it's not easy for slaves to run away. Because otherwise, it's too simple. And again, Chizkiah's saying, any slave that wants to run away will just go into a situation where there's bandits, be taken into captivity, and then he's, he's uh, automatically free. And therefore, I agree that even if it's la'achar yish, even though he's given a pope, he's going to go back into the domain of the master. Why? The guy's given a pope? The Chum made a decree. You, you got to protect. You got you, you to protect the, uh, the ownership rights of a master. Okay. Now, let's get into another aspect over here. Let's pause for a minute. One of the ideas that we mentioned is that if you have someone who redeems an Ever Kanani, so we had a conversation whether the Ever Kanani is going to go back under the domain of his original master, of the Rabbi Rishon, the first master, or whether he's now going to be taken under the, under the domain of Rabbi Shani. His second master. Now, who's the second master? So we said it's the guy who's ransoming him. Since the guy who's ransoming him paid for the Evakani, it's like he becomes the new owner. You, I could get the logic in this, but this needs work. Because you ransomed from captivity, that means it gives you ownership. What's happening here? Yeah? What was the thought process behind the redemption? What's, what's going on with this halacha? So, according to Rabbi who says that the first master gave up hope, and we're dealing with Rabbi Shani now, the Ebed's going to work for the one who ransomed him, the one who redeemed him. Rabbi Shani, in what way is the second guy, the redeemer, the ransomer, how is he acquiring this Ebed Kanani? With what? How's he acquiring? Mishaboy? Who's giving him the ownership? The ones who took the evidence to captivity are now handing over ownership to him? Who's he buying this, who's he buying this servant from? The bandits? 
Shaboy Gufemi Kanile. The bandits don't own the guy. Ask the Gemara. The, the ransomer, the, the redeemer, is giving money to bandits, and therefore he should take ownership from who? Who's giving him ownership? Sigmar says, yeah. The bandits own the guy, even though they did it in a way of prohibition, but since they have this guy locked up, they have rights to his work. He's been working for them ever since he's been taken into captivity, and they're giving over the rights of the work now. And they're saying, now he said of us working for, instead of working for us, he's working for him. Now, this is a chiddush, because we would have thought that you have the first master, the second guy's coming, redeeming him, taking over ownership. We would think from the first guy, now that you paid for him, it's like you paid the first guy, the first guy never got the money. The first guy had been stolen. So just because you paid the bandits, how did it happen? Sigmar says, well, the bandits had rights to his works. Now you have rights to his work. says, How do you know? The assumption is these, we're dealing with everybody who's not Jewish here. Okay, So how do you know that if you have non-Jewish bandits that have ownership over another non-Jewish person, that it's considered ownership for his work. As it says, From those who travel through the land of Canaan, you're allowed to acquire, you could acquire a Eved from them, which means a Yid is allowed to purchase an Eved from a non-Jew. However, top of today's daf, a non-Jew is not allowed to purchase an Eved from a Yid. And they... The um, uh, non-Jew uh, is not allowed to purchase another non-Jew as an Evan. Now remember, servitude and slavery in halacha demands elements of, of uh, respect, right? Even Nebuchadnezzar, a, a slave that we're referring to, is basically a full-time worker, okay? That's basically what Nebuchadnezzar is doing. Now there's certain things that, you, you know, you could have them do against their will. If you need the floor, clean, the floor cleaned and they didn't want to clean the floor as long as it wasn't considered a demeaning job, in Evakani, you're allowed to do it. But when a Yid owned an Evad Kanani, you weren't allowed to whip the guy. You weren't allowed to, uh, you know, like uh, do things the way that we, uh, in our American minds, uh, view slavery. This was basically, this person gave over all his rights of work for life and you still treated him with respect and you gave him quality, uh, a place of living and good and quality food and, and basically you took care of him and his family, but if you were to sell your Evid to a non-Jew, they're not going to be treated this way, and therefore you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to, you're not allowed to sell the, the rights of work for another person to somebody who's not going to be treating them. I'll pee Allah according to Allah. I would think that a, a, a non-Jew cannot acquire a non-Jew. I would think that's what this means. You said they can't acquire. What do you mean? You thought it wouldn't be. You just told me you can't. So when I says, no, let's explain. That uh, non-Jew cannot acquire an Eved <coughs> for their body. Okay? For their body. Rashi says that um, if you have an Eved that leaves his master and is Megayer, and becomes uh, Jewish, 
So, one second, let me see this Rashi. Legufai, look at the look at the top line in Rashi. Top line. She tzarech heimenu get that they would need a document of of freedom. Oyim yivrach mimenu, or let's say the guy runs away via gayer and this eved converts muter bebas yisrael, he would be permitted to marry a bas yisrael. She ain't gufai kanoi lechaveri. We will say it's a valid conversion because uh, even though this guy you know ran away from his non Jewish. Uh, uh, from his non-Jewish owner, it's going to be considered a, a uh, valid uh, conversion and he would be allowed to marry a Jewish woman. Okay? Now, let's, so, so let's, let's give a, a quick overview of the case. Get ready for this. This is Gishmak. You have non-Jew owns non-Jew. The non-Jewish servant runs away, converts to Judaism. He's permitted to marry a Jewish woman. Case number two, Jew owns non-Jew, non-Jew runs away, converts, cannot marry a Jewish woman. When he runs away from a, a non-Jew, it's not considered a running, it's, it's considered a running away, he left the domain and he can now marry a Jewish woman, it's considered kosher geras. Otherwise, it, otherwise it's not considered, if he runs away from a yid, it's not considered valid. Okay. Um, so says, "Where are we? Where are we again?" Let me go back a line. I would think all it means is they cannot acquire one another for my for their work. Says Gemara, but let's make a kavachaimer. If you have an avikachavim that purchases the work rights of a yid, he acquires If a non-Jew could acquire the work of a Jew, how much more so should a non-Jew be able to acquire the work of a non-Jew? Maybe it's only true when you pay money, but let's say when he acquires him with chazaka, with just signs of ownership, um, he, is, uh, he is not allowed to acquire him. And therefore, how do we know that where, that a bandit that takes a Eved into captivity, he acquires ownership over his work. Amr says, were metahir, they were purified by Sichain, which was ultimately going to be conquered by Yisrael. And the same way those lands needed to be, uh, needed to be conquered, so too any, uh, any non-Jew can acquire ownership of property by capturing it. When you capture land, or when you capture property, that is a way to take over ownership. We find that this is true when a non-Jew captures from a non-Jew. How do we know that a non-Jew could take over ownership from a Jew also by conquering it? And he took them into captivity, referring to the Yidden who were taken into captivity, and it's giving an expression of the Goyim, the, the non-Jews now own them, so too, you see that when a non-Jew takes uh, any sort of property by way of conquering it or by, or by taking it to captivity, it's a way of ownership. Now let's pause for a minute. This is Mamish, an incredible Chiddush, but Lamaisi, you see, this is how society runs. It's Mamish how society runs. An incredible thing. I, I'm not a Bucky, I'm not an expert in history. Okay, but 
What I mean, I'm not an expert. I, I don't know every last detail or parcel of land, the exact history of how the United States was established and the Native Americans before we came and every country and what happened before. The Gemara here is saying like this. Not only do you get ownership when somebody sells you something, there's times where you can take over ownership by force. And it's considered like you're the owner. If, somebody, if you have a nation that conquers another nation, nation A conquers nation B, nation A now owns that land. Even if nation B was unhappy with it. That's how it works. So you can have people that were there, and now some, uh, another nation comes in and, and takes over the property. All right. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe you take them to court. Eh? But it doesn't mean they don't own it. The conquering nation, the nation that was v- victorious, now owns it. So too is it, says the Gemara, when it comes to bandits. When they take somebody into captivity, they now own that servant. They now own the land that they conquered. You want to get it back? Go get it back. Go fight for it. But they do it. It is considered ownership that they have. You have an that runs away from a base asurim, from a house of captivity. He goes out free. Okay, so get ready for this. You have Goyim capture an Ebed Kanani. The Ebed Kanani runs away on his own. Nobody has to redeem him. He's a sharp dude. He runs away. He doesn't need to go back to his Jewish master. Jewish master owns Ebed Kanani. Ebed Kanani is taken into captivity. Runs away from captivity. He's free. He takes ownership over himself. We'll tell his Jewish master, not only is he free, you better write a, 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 a document of freedom, document of emancipation. It's not we learned in the Mishnah. Doesn't make a difference why he was ransomed. Not when he runs away. Doesn't make a difference why he was ransomed. Whether it be free, whether it be taken to captivity, he's taken to captivity. He becomes a servant again. Whenever we quote Rishim Gamliel in this Mishnah, or this is halacha lemaisa, except for chutz me'arev, except for the halacha of a guarantor. The tzidain, the halacha of tzidain, the veraya achreina, and the later proof. Okay, means we'll see what these three halachas are. But his point that he's saying, as far as our gemara is concerned, that when a slave is taken into captivity and then somebody ransoms him, he automatically becomes a slave. Now, before we said he goes free, so this is what we're going to have to. Uh, this is what we're going to have to answer up. Okay, now let's just explain these three halachas. Um, one has to do with uh, a plain uh, guarantor when somebody backs up the borrowing. So, you know, what status does he have? Does he take on the status of the borrower? Is he considered like an outside person? And like there's a whole separate agreement between him and the lender. The halacha of, of uh, Tzidain, Bez Hashem, we're going to learn about later. It was a very unique uh, style get. And by Raya Achreina, by the later... Proof. This is um, uh, this is referring to a case where Bezdin already gave a psak. Bezdin already gave a ruling, and now new witnesses show up. Do we go and completely reconvene the entire thing, or do we say 
a case, you know, a, a psak is a psak, and whatever the Rebbein Shalom, you know, came out with the, with the initial ruling, we're not going to go back and start changing, because otherwise there's never really an end to any case. That's really the conversation here, right? If a psak is a, if for a psak to be an upholding psak, it has to be, possibly, this is the discussion, the machlaikas, that uh, we're, we're not concerned that in 10 years something else is going to come around and say, oh, you know, this whole thing was a, was a mistake. That means no ruling is really a firm ruling. It's always just time-based. So there's a, the machlikas over there is whether you, you take on new evidence later on with, with new evidence or new witnesses or whether you, you stick with, with your guns. Okay, those are three situations. Over the Misa, this is what we need to answer up over here. And that is... In one place we see he goes free, one place we see he's enslaved. Says the Gemara Bishnah Labaya makes us going to Abaye, Muki la lahailif neyish, vahaila akhar yish will say that when does he go free? That's after the owner gave a pope. When does he go back into captivity? That's the owner did not give up hope. Yeah, Allah according to Rabbi Dharma Lakhir Yush says the whole thing is after the owner gave up hope. Kashtar Bih and Adabih. We have our contradiction over here. Why in one place does Rehlin say that the Evad after Leaving the captivity is going to be free, and in one place he says the guy is going to be an avid again. Rav explains for Rabbi Yechen, time am I? What is the reason that after Yish you're going to go back to captivity? Let's think for a minute. Remember, the owner gave up hope on this avid, and then you redeem him. He goes back to the first owner. Why? Mishum the Chizkia because of Chizkia's problem. What was Chizkia's concern? Every avid is going to make sure. That they could be taken into cap- that they'll be taken captivity. This automatic path to freedom. Bayreach shiny. Chizkiah will agree that a Bayreach, a person who ran away from the captives, is different. Because that's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, if somebody runs away from captivity, he'll agree he doesn't need to go back to the master. Hashta, the Because when you run away, you're literally risking your life. You can be killed for that. When he tries running away from bandits, if they catch him running away, he's goner. He's dead. Yeah? If this guy is willing to give up his life to get away from them, you think that this is the same type of guy who purposely went to them? And therefore, if you're redeemed, if you're ransomed, that's what we say you go back to the owner. Because that was completely against your will. You didn't try to get, you, you didn't show us anything. And therefore, there's a possibility that you, that Kani was weak on his own, on purpose, purposely weak, to be taken to captivity, and therefore you got to go back. We don't, we don't know what led to this captivity, but under certain, but under these other circumstances where he's shown that he um, he has zero interest in being with them in the first place, where his point where he's willing to give up his life to run away, that's where we say he's not going to go back. Okay, now the Gemara is going to get going to get into a few uh, fascinating. Uh, a few fascinating stories, and then we're going to get back into the halachas of freeing slaves. All right, here we go. Amte demar Shmuel had a maidservant that was taken to captivity, and she was ransomed for the purpose of remaining a maidservant, and she went back to Shmuel Shochule, and they sent to him, who says that, she, that after redeeming a, a maidservant, she had to go back to the original master. You should know we redeemed her with the intent that she should, that she should remain under your ownership. 
And they wanted, in other words, they were telling him, they were telling Shmuel, they were telling Mar Shmuel that uh, she stole your slave woman. So you, she's not free. Now, if she's free, you can't take her to a slave, you can't take her as a slave woman again. So in the they thought he hadn't yet given up hope and therefore she should remain a slave woman. He wasn't true. That it was done after Yish. And therefore she was obligated to go free. So Ushmuel. Shmuel said when he got her back, there's mamish people living up Yeah, he has a right. Everybody's telling him, no, keep her as a slave woman. Yeah, it's your advantage. And he's like, no, 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 no. She's free. She's done. Shmuel to me. Shmuel's consistent with his own reasoning. Shmuel says, A person who makes his Ebed Hefker goes out free and does not even need to get. Uh, 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 freedom document. Every woman, every man who's a slave who's acquired with money, what does it mean a man, not a woman? Okay, another story. The was also into captivity. There was a Tarmuda who redeemed her because he wanted to marry her. Uh, so they said to the master, If you want to do yaos, if you want to do truth, send her a letter of freedom. What's going on over here? What's the story? What's happening over here? Alright? If the Chachamim were able to redeem her, okay, uh, that's the place, I'm sorry. So why does she need a document of freedom? Just redeem her. Give her back to her Baba. She doesn't need to be free. And if they couldn't, they didn't have enough money to pay for her. What does it help? She's still in captivity. What does it help for Ravaba to send her a letter of freedom? How's it going to help her get away from this Tarmuda who wanted her as a wife? Says, they were able to redeem her. The Kivan, however, since the Gita de Chirusa, once he sends her a letter of freedom, it's just going, it's, it was like, uh, you know, people go around collecting, they give you letters from known Rabbanim, you know, telling them that it's a good cause. He says, if, if you show a letter of freedom, that you care about this woman, you want her to be free, then the yidden of the area are going to come together and they'll give more in order to ransom her. The letter of freedom wasn't to actually make her free. The letter of freedom was to inspire people in the Jewish community to redeem her. They really, they weren't able to, <coughs> they didn't have enough money to redeem her, or she wasn't... Uh, uh, she wasn't available for redemption. The kibbutz the mishad lagida the chirusa. Once he sends her a letter of freedom, mitzela ba'ape uparik la. Then the this uh, tarmuda, this guy, um, would be embarrassed to marry her. Why? Because documents of freedom for servants is very gishmak. Were always they were put in classifieds in the newspaper. All right. Now they didn't have the uh, printing press like we have nowadays. 
But whenever somebody was free, or somebody, any life, life cycle situation, things were publicized in the town square. So here, this would happen. This, this guy took her into captivity with the intention of marrying her. So they wanted, they, they wanted the, the Ravaba, they wanted the master to send a letter of freedom. They could post it, put up Pashkvilin. Yeah, post it up everywhere that she's free. And this guy is going to be embarrassed to marry her. Doesn't want to be married to a woman who's a slave woman. He wants her to, he wants to prance around town with her. Look, I got a, a big catch over here. Everybody knows she's in the, she's in Amma. Eh, not such a great shidduch. We're not so impressed. So the purpose of writing the, the star, again, wasn't necessarily to free her, but it was that they could they post this everywhere and this guy will leave her alone and be willing to, to let her go and not marry her. Says the Gemara of Amar Mar, but the town of Todos, shall you saw Yosem Nishasem. That uh, when it comes to immorality, the, the, there are people who are very base, very, very low, uh, idolaters, who would be more willing to have relations with a Jewish-owned animal. Then this is a fascinating Gemara by I'm going through now uh, with, uh, with Irv Boim, where the Mamish went to the Sugya a couple weeks ago. This topic is beautiful, uh, it's really fascinating ideas, but the non-Jewish uh, idolaters, now, we're, we're, again, the Mepharshim there explained we're not dealing with just non-Jews, we're dealing with a, a, a type of base, a very base society, where it's all about, uh, you know, it's all about selfishness and, and like, purposeful sin. They, they prefer Jewish... Uh, behemoths, Jewish animals over their own wives which is why the Gemara says there's, even in, there's opinions that there's even issue of Yichud, a Jew is not, allowed, is not allowed to allow his animal to have Yichud with a guy not a guy that Yichud with an Avik Achavim like this because it's setting the guy up for bestiality it says the Gemara just because she's an Amma doesn't mean he's going to let her go this Tarmuda they're happy to have relations with, you know, even with animals. One says, "Hanim yilibetzina," privately. Publicly, they still have like, on the outside, chosh of a person. Inside, they're doing crazy stuff. Okay, since this is public, he's not going to be willing to marry her. Another story, another incident. There was a maidservant in Pompadisa, David Gama Abdullah, and she surah. People were doing a beris with her. Amr Abai Abai says he loved Amr Abi Ramar Shmuel. Anybody who, sees, who frees their Ebed, transgress a positive commandment, have a kaifalay lamara, the cost of Lagita the Chirusa. I'll force the master, her owner, to free her. Ravina Ravina says, in this case, Rabbi Huda would agree, that you're, that you're allowed to free her because people are doing Yisurim, people are doing transgressions with her, and therefore it would actually be a mitzvah to free her. And according to Abai, he says, even if there's Yisurim, you're not allowed to free her. There's a woman who is a half Isha, half woman, and half, half uh, uh, free. Okay, so there were partners and uh, two owners, and one owner frees her, one owner doesn't. So she's fifty percent servant, fifty percent not. Top of Lamech Chesam Bebeis. The Chofel was Rabba Vasal Ben Chayr, and they they forced the other master to make her a free woman. 
that once she was free, the, the men act, acted with her. I'm sorry, that while she, the, the reason why we forced the other half to free her is because people weren't treating her, uh, they were treating her immorally. So you see from over here, you're allowed to free a woman so that people don't sin with her. When you're 50-50, she's not free to marry a regular Yisrael. She's not free to marry an Eved. She's like in limbo. So therefore you're obligated to free her. But in this case, this woman in, uh, in our story that uh, people were, were uh, doing Averis with her, that uh, the owner could have protected her better. Okay? Could have protected her better. So, um, it, it's really a responsibility on the owner. Right? It's not like the sin has to continue. Nobody's in limbo. Why are they, why are they sinning with her? Let, let the master uh, make sure that she, she's kept more private. Keep a closer eye. Since that's a possibility, there's no obligation to free her. Kufa, piece of her PPC quoted statement. Number of you know, says the name of Shmuel. Anybody who frees his servant, Avikani transgresses a positive command of the Tyrish Temple, Island Bam Tabaydu, and Avikani should work for you forever. Mason, that's a challenging question. He came into a show, there were nine men for a minion. He freed his servant, and now they had a minion of Jewish men. So you see. You're allowed to free an Eved Kanani. It's not, he didn't transgress an Asay. Tomorrow says, Mitzvah Shiny. You're allowed to free an Eved to perform a Mitzvah. Tanra Barn the Rabbis learned, so should we. You should work for them forever, Rishus. Which means, you have permission. You have permission to own an Eved Kanani. What does Chayv mean? You have an obligation to keep them as servants. You're not allowed to free them. Rabbi Shmuel says, you have a choice. Keep them as to work or free. Rabbi Kiva says no choice. They keep them as working out and free. But Doma Rabbi Lazar Zavala command Doma Rishos. Maybe Rabbi Lazar holds like Rabbi Yishmael. Rabbi says it's a chayv like Rabbi Akiva. And since he says you're not allowed to free slaves, it's got to be that the only reason why he freed this Eved was for the purpose of a mitzvah in order to make a mini. Now, Rabbi Rabbi says, Because of three Abeirais, listen closely. People who own estates, people who own property, lose it. The Mafia They allow their Avodim to go free. Which, like we learned before, is a transgression of an essay. And because they keep their mind on work on Shabbos, even they don't actually work their fields, but they check out what's going on. They check out their fields. They keep an eye on their businesses. You lose out on the brach of Shabbos. And because they give up time of Tyra learning in order to have longer suudas, in order to have longer meals to sit around and eat. Shabbos is meant for Tainug, and Tainug is to have delicious geshmaka, Shabbos suudas, special Shabbos food. And it's also time to learn Tyra. We're not involved in business, set aside time for learning. So what they would do is, this is a very deep idea, Deep just means awareness. They had a mitzvah to go learn. The rub is giving a shear. 
And they would say, no, I'm Isaac B'mitzvah. I'm involved in my mitzvah meal. And they, would, they would prioritize the wrong mitzvahs in the wrong time, in the wrong place. Is it a mitzvah to have a suda vada? But you have to make your suda during the year. But you end up view, viewing yourself like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a mitzvah, Shabbos. But you can do both, do it different times. That causes, that causes people to lose from the bracha of Shabbos. Amr of Chiyah Baraba, Amr of Yechanan, there are two families in Shlaim, Achas Kavas Hudas B'Shabota, Achas Kavas Hudas B'Erev Shabbos, Ushteyam Nekru, and they both were uprooted, they both lost their wealth. Amar Rabba, Amar Rabba, Rabba says the name of Rabba, Maktesh Avda Yosluch, here's a person makes his Eved Hektesh, belong to the Beis HaMikdash, the Eved goes free, my time away. Gufei like Kaddish, the body itself doesn't become Hektesh, Ladami, Ladmei, the value, like Amar, he didn't say I'm giving the value, to Lahavi Am Kaddish Ka Amar, what he means is, is he should be a member of the Jewish person, uh, of, of Klai Yisrael. Now what does it mean you're a member of Klai Yisrael? It means that you're free. And once Nebuchadnezzar becomes free, he's a regular, his regular yid. Doesn't mamish belong to Hektish. Okay? But if you say, Marav, Hamafkar Abda, Yotz Lachiris. First makes Eved. Hefker also goes Lachiris. Before we said it, that Hektish, he goes free. Now we're saying if you mix it Hefker, he goes free. Manda Omar Maktish, the one who says that if you make your Eved Hektish, the Eved goes free. Certainly, if you make him ownerless, he goes free. The one who says, I make him ownerless, he goes free. We'll say that if you make him hectic, he doesn't go free. Why? Maybe what you meant is, I want to give the value of my Ebed to hectic. But you're still retaining ownership over the Ebed. That's the question, searching for information. Now that you said he's Hefker, he's ownerless, do you need a document stating that he's ownerless or not? Is he automatic? Is he gone? That's it. Is there. Is he just done? Or do you got to write a letter? Tashma, come and listen. You're free, you're free, you're free, but you do need a letter of freedom. Amar Rabba says, one second. But we have a problem from a, on that halacha stating that you need a document from a Bryce. What does the Bryce say? If somebody makes his property hectish, and included in the property, there are servants listed in the in what you're giving over to Hektish. The treasures of the Beis Hamikdash cannot free the Avadim. You don't take over the ownership of the bodies of the Avad. You can sell them to others. And those other people can free them. Rabbi Yom Rabbi says, He can give himself. The servant himself give over his own value and, and go free. Okay? So here's the question. When somebody gives his Ebed over to Hektish, does he intend to free him or not? Says the Gemara, let me tell you something. You're right, you have a question, but Rav is an early Amaira and he's not blown out of the water by Bryces. Now we don't like this in general. In general, Rav's an early Amaira, so we don't we don't uh, like when he argues on a price, but just because there's a price of disagreeing with Rob doesn't necessarily blow him out of the water. Because he's a, he's a, a mamish uh, in, in, early, in, in early Amira, and therefore he had rights to, at times, argue on prices. Says the Gemara Tashmakam, listen, Ach, Kolcherim, the Gaimer, the Adam, Elu, Avadav, Vishavchaisav, Ha, Kananim. Yeah, so the Apostle says, that anything that somebody makes hektish, 
May Adam from a person, you make a person hectic. You see that a person, a person uh, in Havoc can be made hectic. You mean the value of a person. A person himself, can, the body cannot become hectic. The value of a person cannot become hectic. In other case as well, why don't we just say, we're done with the master said, I'll give the value, not the actual person. If that would be the case, where you're only giving the value, not the person. Why does it say that the Gizbarim the, the themselves can't give over the freedom? They never owned the guy in the first place. Gizbarim Mayavidatayu. Yeah, he, they don't own the guy. And furthermore, they're going to sell him to somebody else. And those people free him. You only have the value. That, that, won't, that that's the won't make any sense. Who are they to free him? And furthermore, Rebbe, Aymer, Rebbe says, This guy could pay for his own value and go out. Like he's buying himself. Again, if we just give over his value to the base of Mikdash, none of this ever starts. What does it mean as if he's, he's buying himself? Nobody owned him in the first place. And therefore, it's got to be, according to this Brysa, that it's not just value that you're giving over, that this Brysa is stating, you literally own his body. It is possible, according to this Brysa, to, to uh, uh, be maktish, to sanctify the actual body of the Eved, and it's not limited to just the value. Okay, we'll hold it here for today. We're up to Toshima. Have a wonderful Wonderful Shabbos, everybody. Best Shem Matzi Shabbos. We will aim for 10 p.m. 10 p.m. Daphne Matzi Shabbos. Matzi Shabbos.